What's going on, everybody? This is Trey Wynn, and welcome into Chat 10 Sports. If you're new to us, find us at chat10sports.com to find more information about the guys, our podcast feed, social media pages, and of course, our most recent articles about all things Tennessee sports. But tonight, myself and Kurt McKibben were able to host our very special guest, Mr. Lebowski of F Word Pods, to help us break down Season 8, Episode 5 of Game of Thrones, The Bells. Now, we're going to give you our scene-by-scene breakdown, reaction to our favorite things, our least favorite things, just to help us all dissect what happened when the Mad Queen took down Cersei and uh, basically destroyed King's Landing. But do us a favor, wherever you're listening to podcasts, subscribe, leave us a review, and make sure to share with your friends. But buckle in. Hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, guys. Yes, I've got Mr. Lebowski and Kurt McKibben here. We are here to break down Season 8, Episode 5. It's actually called The Bells, which what I'm noticing when we're logging on at 9 o'clock on Sunday nights, it's just Game of Thrones. Like This was, I think, Episode 71, <laughs> so they're kind of loading them up after the fact. I guess they're not trying to reveal anything, obviously, but but how are we doing, guys? Doing well. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Kibby, how are you doing, sir? Man, I'm I'm doing amazing. I'm doing amazing. Good good for a Monday night, I guess. Absolutely. I know today was like, please God, let's just <laughs> I was sitting at my desk just like trying to even still process this episode, which I'm kind of excited we can do it together. But um I did want to just jump right into this thing. Season eight, episode five. We're breaking this thing down. Um notable, I guess kind of an infamous or fa- famous director for this uh the series. Miguel Sapochnik, who has directed Hard Home, The Battle of the Bastards, and The Winds of Winter. Just a few few good episodes from this yeah. series. Um, but may they have, did change from... <laughs> yeah, may have heard him. But David Nutter did the first three, or I guess four. And now we're getting back to the, the heavy hitter, if you will. But, but yeah, man, let's just hit the ground running here. Obviously, this thing opens up. Um, even through the intro, obviously, there's some foreshadowing of what we could be talking about and kind of covering for the episode. But it jumps directly into Varys, uh, riding on some scrolls, kind of out in the secret that he knows from Tyrion, via, via Sansa, via Jon. But guys, I did not know this, but uh, Lord Varys is kind of tripling down here, making his last-ditch effort for what he believes is the right thing for Jon to be on the throne. And he, I don't know if he was the original kind of doubter of Daenerys, from even last, you know, know, the original promise that he made to her and she made to him is, I promise to tell you if you're wrong, which we saw him do last episode. And then, of course, in this episode, we saw her fulfill her promise that if he did ever betray her, that uh, she would burn him alive. But um, just opening thoughts. I mean, I wanted to kind of pay some respects to Varys just for what he, he did in this episode, which I, I know a lot of people have just said, man, for everyone else playing their own game and a selfish game, he really did fulfill his, I guess, promise to protect the realm and serve the realm. But just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on that. Yeah, I could jump in there. So I, I, um, I, I liked the end of his arc. I, I get it. It makes sense. And uh, I think it flows with the rest of the story. I, it, I personally hate to see him go. He was probably my third favorite character in the show overall really liked the wit and the humor with him. So I really hated to see the show lose him. Um, Mm -hmm. And she held true to her promise that she would burn him alive if he betrayed her. And he was absolutely doing that. If you just want to look at it from a, a a very simple manner, because we're going to get into some, I'm sure complex arguments that people are going nuts about on Twitter, but you want to look at it from the simplest form. uh, Varys was outright betraying her. I mean, he was, 
committing mutiny, treason, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. And uh, it, it's very obvious that he was carrying out his own plans, possibly looking to, you know, poison her. So I think yeah. she made a, she made a choice that any rational leader would make. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it was kind of like a, a last-ditch effort there. Uh, his only chance of living was um, that John would go through and, and, I guess, change his mind very quickly at that point in time. And, um, man, it, it didn't happen at all. Uh, it kind of blew up in his face, and I, I think he knew it was probably like a 95% chance that was going to happen. Uh, yeah. Going into it, he he always seemed to be one step ahead like every uh, of everyone so far um, in the series. So he knew exactly what he was risking there. And um, like you said, protector of the realm, truly um, the common folk protector. Um, Great character though, one of my favorite characters for sure. See, it was funny to me because him knowing Ned Stark as well as he did and having his first season, you know, he was the one delivered him what water and food into the crypts or the, the, the dungeons beneath the uh, beneath King's Landing. I'm like, Varys, why would you... I mean, yes, it's a, kind of a desperate Hail Mary, but why would you bank on John going back on his word against the right. Varys? Honest Ned's kid, yeah. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah, I mean, but I guess maybe right. he, he, he thought that the weight of him being Rhaegar Targaryen, he would take that, I guess, differently. Um, yeah. And, and maybe try to take the throne as opposed to just been in the knee and... As John repeatedly said, "You are my queen." You know, um, yeah. So, well, uh, I, and, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I think, I think Varys, and I might be going out on a limb here. I think what Varys has probably come to the realization of of seeing so many leaders and kings come. You know, forget the line he has in the show where he talks about how many kings he has seen go past. You know, his his eyes and his rule. It's going to be easier to prevent somebody from getting on the throne than it is going to be to remove somebody after they're on the throne. So right. I, I think even it is silly as it may look that he's hoping that John will eventually change his mind. I think he realizes that he doesn't really have a choice, but to keep pursuing this plan because of just how difficult it would be to remove a leader once they take the throne and actually Get, you know, physically are in embattled inside a castle, but then all the political crap that starts to revolve around that. So, right, and, and you mentioned this, Lebowski, but towards the beginning, or I guess the opening scene, uh, Martha, one of Varys's little birds, tells him, you know, she won't eat, and he says, "We'll try again later." And then they go on to say, uh, Martha says, "You know that the the soldiers are watching me," and she and Varys tells her, "The greater the risk, the greater the reward," and it calls back to Ned telling Pycelle. You know, poison is a woman's weapon, and Pycelle tells him, yes, women, cravens, and eunuchs, which we all know Varys is a eunuch. But, but yeah, John and, and Varys' conversation, he's saying, you'll you'll rule wisely. So he's banking on, like, this is going to happen, almost like right. a last-ditch, like, Jedi mind trick of, like, you're going to do this. And then he just interrupts her and says, she is my queen, which and, is such a typical Jon Snow move. And how possibly close did he come to getting it done? Because the scene right before he's taken into custody, he's writing a second note. You hear right. in the distance, a, a, a hallway door open, a chamber door open, and he calmly just burns the note and then takes off his rings and puts it. He knows what's <laughs> coming. So right. how close was he? Was this, was that second note he's writing? Like, Hey, by the time you read this, I've gotten it done. But I do want to point out one quick part about that scene before we yeah. move on. 
really liked the dragon fading from black into scene. It reminded me of the movie Alien, like very mm-hmm. creepy, very subtle. Well, not subtle, but I guess very creepy psychological horror of just seeing that massive face come into view, <laughs> and that's the last thing yeah. you're going to see. Yeah, and even even the way that Daenerys said Dracarys was just it wasn't aggressive. It was just Dracarys. No. Yeah. <laughs> it goes yeah. on. She was right. You can tell she's kind of dead inside at this point. I think she's, you know, she feels really betrayed. And um, man, yeah, great cinematography, uh, great CG um, as far as the dragon and everything is really a super like visually uh, exceptional episode. Yeah. And I know, you know, prior to that, the official arresting uh, of theirs, Daenerys and Tyrion had the exchange inside, I guess, the war room on Dragonstone. Um, Daenerys just looks rough. Obviously, like they've said, she's not eating. She looks like she's coming off of, like, withdrawals from a heavy drug of sorts, you know. Yeah. Um, but just talking about she, her initial reaction was, um, you know, he, he said, someone's betrayed you, and she, and she says Jon Snow, which... Technically, I guess, yeah, it all, it all does revert back to the fact that she had the conversation and saying, you know, we can avoid all this by doing what I'm saying. But he's still, I mean, yeah. John, I've always loved John, but John does continue to kind of look not just dumb, but just like, all right, your your morals are almost getting in the way of playing the game. And, of course, he doesn't want to play the game that every, like, the way that everyone else does. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of tipped the first uh, the first of many dominoes that kind of fell to this situation here. Well, and he plays, he's trying to play the game the same way that Ned Stark did by refusing to go outside of the boundaries and the rules like so many else around him did, varies, little finger, you name it. And uh, like you said, whether it's intentional or not, it's really painting him up as kind of dumb looking. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he's, he seems. Uh, almost like broken or I don't know whipped is what you would have called him in junior high but but uh, he's not thinking straight Um, yeah like you said he's he refuses to play the game and didn't really learn anything from his supposed father's death Ned Um, so yeah Yeah. disappointing to see kind of how he's going I don't want to say going out but kind of how he winded down he's starting to wind down as a character we'll see what what happens in the finale but yeah um, and uh, even this next scene i know it goes to john and daenerys and at the at the very beginning of this scene daenerys is talking to gray worm about, about masande and then john comes in and it's almost this last ditch effort from daenerys to get john to i mean i don't know what exactly she was expecting since it's like hey you know she basically said sansa did this to Varys. For, for spilling the beans. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, she's kind of confessing and kind of expressing the fact that of what she's probably been feeling for the last few days or however long it's been that I'm realizing that nobody here really loves me the way they love you. And it's only fear. And she, I guess, tries to make a move on John and it almost, you know, it's, I guess John's still wrestling obviously with the whole aunt nephew aspect of it, but it's one of those things like, I don't know if you guys caught this and it just blew past me, but what was Danny's goal uh, in this this communication and conversation with John? I think I think it was like almost like a childish hope. She was like, what, you know, one last try. Surely his heart will will push through, and his love for me will make him basically act right. Yeah, um, and you know, it was it was 
painfully awkward <laughs> towards the end. It, it looked like it was going somewhere. I was kind of interested. I was like, okay, all right, John, I see you. But um, yeah, it, it quickly turned to disappointment on on the part of Danny. And um, I, I guess that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. And and to me too, I mean, it's, uh, this last line of her saying, all right, then, then let it be fear. Yeah. I'm, I'm still kind of unraveling, like trying to understand those who, and, and Lebowski, if you're here or Kibby, if you're here, like just let's talk it through. But the, the foreshadowing throughout seasons of Daenerys kind of becoming the mad queen and even hindsight as the end of the, the episode we've watched from what it looks like the hero of this series and the villain from the series throughout from season one, episode one, just not realizing that Daenerys is going to flip and go full heel. Um, but it's, to me, it's one of those things like this, this line right here was almost like, all right, like you said, Kibby, this, this last, you know, middle school, I hope you like me back. And if you don't, well then I'm going to take my ball and <laughs> go back <laughs> home. But that's just kind of what could- it felt like to me. It could possibly be a little more complex than that of her kind of giving a, a final, not so subtle test of, are, do you really have it in the back of your mind that you are the true heir to the throne? And are you going to be able to dispute that when people start bringing it up? Because the information's out, she knows it. You know, now that Sansa couldn't stay off, you know, medieval Snapchat for 30 seconds long enough. (laughs) I mean, literally, the last episode, she goes from, he's like, I'm going to tell you a secret. And she's literally telling somebody else anyways. But (laughs) like, so it's out there. And I think this is Danny looking at John, like manipulating him a little bit, using hopefully the last bit of love they had for each other to try to get a question to answer for herself of, have you erased all the doubt in the back of your mind that you should not be leading this country? Because we've seen country, nation, whatever. But you've seen mm-hmm. so many times where John has said, I don't want to be a leader, but he ends up being the leader anyway, and he seems right. to do well at it. So uh, either he wants it or he doesn't. And I truly do think in the back of his mind that he may not want it, but he knows he'd be a better leader and he can't hide that fact from her even when she's trying to kiss him right and, and, and i think the the heart that she is referring to you know if, if not what love then fear i think the her only chance of being that loving uh leadership in in the common folk eye was probably john snow being uh you know her right hand man so to speak right um, because he had he had gained the respect and the love of the people so I think she had, like you said at that point, she even voiced that she had realized that she would never be loved like he was by the, by the, you know, the seven kingdoms. Um, so that's, that, you know, was her only card left in the deck. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, it, it raises a question to me for, obviously for John telling Arya and Sansa, you have to swear this. And now it's all leading back to Sansa. If, if whoever and however this thing goes from here on from episode in the finale of episode six is there the potential of Daenerys obviously trying to retaliate against Sansa where that puts John where that puts Arya I mean the last of the Starks that whole that whole premise uh, of them of them lasting but to me it's one of those things like obviously Daenerys has some uh, some hard feelings towards Sansa and then we'll see how that plays out but but yeah, this leads to the next scene where Tyrion and Grey Worm are before Daenerys, and uh, Tyrion's just pleading, like, "Whatever we got to do, if you hear the bells, 
uh, of the surrender, you have to stop. And then she kind of gives this, this nod to gray worm. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And then she just straight up says, um, to gray worm, you know, watch for my signal. You basically, you'll know what I'm coming. Cause you'll see dragon fire and probably people blowing up to hell. So, um, but my question is, is, and, and Dave and Dan talked about this after the guess, inside of the episode where it's, you know, Danny didn't go in planning on having this moment, but what do you think? I mean, backs up against the wall. It seems like nobody wants to play ball with you. I mean, part of, a part of me honestly believes like Daenerys had a toe in the pool of mad queen and she almost likes the feeling, I guess the more that she walks in that role, if that makes sense. But why would she say, I mean, un, unspokenly, yes, we will go by those rules of, of stopping. And then when the time comes, it's just basically thrown to the wind. just wanted to see what y'all thought about that. I don't know if she just <clears throat> outright lied in that scene. Um, you, you definitely can tell, obviously, the trust is hanging by a thread because mm-hmm. right after she makes that promise, quote unquote, it's not even a promise, she just nods to Grey Worm. Um, as Tyrion is leaving the throne room, she says to his back as he's leaving, you know, we caught your brother trying to sneak past our line into the city. So it, that could be adding more to it that, look, she maybe full on doesn't trust and she's going to do her own thing. And this is, and we don't necessarily have to get into this right now. We can discuss it whenever you want, but this is where the show, the episode started to lose me a little bit once mm-hmm. she got into the city. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when that happens, because if so, this scene kind of bothers me a little bit because she does have a look on her face of, she doesn't want her battle plans questioned, yeah. but that she's still accepting the logical, sane advice of her hand, mm-hmm. which was, and I forget the line she used, but when she first brought Tyrion on, it's like, look, I, I need a very intelligent, rational voice when I'm going to go to a land that I don't understand. So I, I feel like she's, she is hanging on a thread of general sanity at that point because she's being betrayed left and right. But, uh, I don't know if she straight up lied. I think it's more of she was being honest when she nodded to Grey Worm, like, yeah, all right, I will hold back. But mm-hmm. we all see that that, that didn't really hold up. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that the last episode when John and Tormund, Tormund's talking all the stories about John riding the, the, the dragon, and it really became a Jekyll and Hyde moment, it seemed like for Daenerys, where it's the realization that he is getting that love and that respect and she's not and that was something like we're all we're you know season one it was something of saying um you know people drink you know silent toast to your health and they and they long for your return in westeros and she's realizing it was all a lie you know just basically flat out straight up a lie but um but yeah i I guess as far as you were saying you know it losing you here or just kind of yeah we we can get into it right now as far as what this led to and kibby wherever you feel like with it as, as well uh, as far dude, as I, yeah, Lebowski, go ahead. I was going to say that um, I, I kind of got excited there for a second when she took off again. I thought she was going straight for the Red Keep. Um, and that to me was pretty exciting. But and then I realized what was really going to happen. And <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, it was kind of that gut wrenching, like, ah, uh, you hate to see it. But kind of it's been foreshadowed for a while now that that was what right. was going to have to happen. 
So, so do you want to discuss that scene now? The uh, yeah. her yes. actually. So th again, this is where I kind of develop a problem with it. Now, I don't necessarily have a, a problem with the writing that with her burning the city to the ground. Visually, it was incredible looking. I mean, it's exactly if you're a fan of these dragons and them truly being a weapon of mass destruction in, you know, in in Westeros, they the the show writers did such a good job of showing why dragons were so feared and that kind of thing. I really liked that scene. However, it it this could be a product of it being a short season, but I'm a little bothered by the fact that she went right for completely and utterly trying to murder everything on the ground in front of the red keep to mm -hmm. me. And again, I'm trying to place logic in with somebody who is clearly, you know, flipping out at the moment, <laughs> but psychologically to everyone inside King's landing, does it not make sense to completely raise the red keep? If that's what you want to do, drop mm -hmm. that castle absolutely to its foundation. I'm pretty sure that people would get in line rather quickly i just don't understand the logic behind melting an entire city to the ground leaving very few people alive to do what have 40 people show up at your coronation mm -hmm. i don't it just doesn't really strike me as well thought out for that scene yeah it goes back to what what they were kind of envisioning the whole time as we were going to be better than our fathers and she basically took picked up right where um, her her father left off, I guess, the Mad King, and you know they she ended up being no better than her father. And yeah, I mean, ten times worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I wish she, would, like I said, would have gone straight to the Red Keep and you know taken care, cut the snake off at the very head. Yeah, um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I really want to see how they tie it together at the end if there's any redemption for her, or if this is just kind of, she's now a hundred percent villain. See, well, that's... So the... go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. The, the, the last point I want to make about that, and, and I can leave this alone is to me, it seems if you want to drive a point home of having, obviously with the dialogue leading up to her melting the city to the ground was, you know, Cersei knows how to use um, people's mercy as a weapon. I can use it in reverse by showing the rest of the kingdom. This is what happens when you don't subvert, mm -hmm. but would it not? And, and again, this is a hypothetical, which goes down a route, which I've said on my own podcast before that does kind of drive me nuts about the average viewer or the, the overly obsessed game of Thrones viewer is when they start making theories about how the show should go in their own head. Mm -hmm. that never matches up with what the writers ever intended it to be. And it doesn't go down that way. Then you start to get upset with the show. And what are you really upset over? Because you're upset over a theory that you made up, right? right. That being said, does it not make more sense for her to agree to the surrender? She takes the throne is sitting there, asks the city as a whole, the guards, whatever to come up bow before me, the ones who don't, she lights them the hell up with the dragon, much like she did varies. I, I can think of no other way right. for a group of people to stand around and go, 
oh boy, the hell with that noise. I'm bowing because I'm not going to get lit on fire like John just did over here because he decided he didn't want to take a knee. So I don't know. It just felt, it felt rushed. And I think it is a product of the, of the six episode run, but it just didn't leave a lot of time between her nodding to gray worm saying, yeah, I'm I'll do it. Fine. I'll hold off. If they ring the bells to her deciding to melt the city. But really what bothered me about it is they never show her face or her reaction the entire time she's on the back of the dragon committing these crimes. I mean, is she, is she laughing? Is she crying? Is she hysterical? As a matter of fact, I don't think you see her face the rest of the episode. So it was uh, just to back it up here, just a second. Cause I know from the beginning of the battle, you know, uh, Daenerys team team Daenerys is outside the walls. Harry Strickland, the Golden Company, and Euron's fleets are already blown up. You could tell, even with I know Grey Worm, when that moment happened, that the Lannister forces met with Team Danny, John, Grey Worm, and Davos at the lawn. They dropped their swords. The bells ringing. Kyburn's already told Cersei, "This is the situation. Euron's fleets burning. No more scorpions." She perches up on that, uh, on the wall. And I'm thinking that she's going to do something from what, season four, season five, where she's talking to the people. And it's the Misa moment, I think it was. I, I, that's what I was expecting to happen. And like you were saying, Lebowski, like, if this is about Cersei. This is a personal thing with Cersei. And to me, it's twofold. I like the aspect of, okay, she has been through so much shit in her entire life from from being sold off to Drogo being, you know, you know, the whole, the whole story, we all know it, but to me, it's one of those things like this is the making of a villain. So I, I like the turn. She doesn't have any support, but she could have easily, and it seemed, it seemed rushed. Like you were saying, it seemed a little bit lazy to think, okay, if she's on this wall and then she's saying, you know, to whatever these people like, you know, I'm here for you. I'm here to help you. This is not, you know, I'm here to break the wheel, that whole spiel that she's given the people across in, in, in Essos and going straight after. But a part of me likes the aspect of her committing to that full, like, all right, this is a personal thing. This is my, this is my family's home and I'm going to blow it off the map and fresh start and make my own run here. But it just seemed like to me, like I, I agree with the aspect of it being kind of rushed. And I think that's just a, that's a product of the, the six episodes. But it's one of those things to me, like once that took place and then it went full, like Braveheart and people were getting cut at the collarbone and hands cut off and, and everything. It was just one of those things like you saw firsthand the good guys become the villains and vice yes. versa, where you saw the Lannister guys, the Lannister soldiers were leading women and children to safety. And all of a sudden here's, uh, I think it was a Northman uh, or a Northman that was trying to rape a woman and John ended up killing him. And it's like, this was, this went zero to a hundred really fast. So, I mean, I get yeah. it, but a part of me just likes, like everybody last week said, I want to see Daenerys go full mad queen and we got it, but just to a level in which I don't think we really yeah, anticipated. It just happened too, too quickly. Um, if last season and this season were both 10 episodes, I know this theory has been thrown out there a lot and it's a tired theory, but if they were both 10 episodes long, I think they could have put in a lot more character development uh, for Danny and a lot of other characters, honestly, too. And that's kind of, that's ultimately my problem with it. I I don't necessarily have a problem with the outcome and what happened. I think I, I actually, you know, I like it if I just think of it on the face of it, but it's, it kind of, to me, comes off like 
you've gotten this you've this hyper detailed layout of every one of these characters and they've taken the most major character of the series and basically condensed the last part of her sanity breaking down into a Wikipedia paragraph. Right. Like it's, it's like telling somebody you would really love the show Deadwood. And they're like, Oh, I read the plot on Wikipedia. It's like, dude, you didn't watch the show. Like what do you, so it just, that's kind of what really bugs me about this is that that last crucial piece of her sanity exploding happens in the span of about 20 minutes whereas in a typical game of thrones season we would get that over the course of a few episodes maybe the entire entire season with it culminating in these last two episodes and that's that's kind of what bugs me about it is that you just got the nod of okay i'll take their surrender then no i'm just gonna melt this motherfucker to the ground and uh you're not even gonna see my face the rest of the time i'm sorry can i cuss on y'all's podcast i'm just well anyways i mean that that's and, and again not to belabor the point but that's it that's my fault yeah. well see my, my thing is and, and just to jump in because i think it's relevant my point's relevant to what lebowski's saying is there has been through i mean eight seasons now where we've seen moments of even when daenerys went to um I mean, countless places of saying, I'm going to take this place over with fire and blood and burns this city to the ground. But then she had a guy like Jorah to talk her off the ledge and, you know, use some wisdom. And then you had Ser Barris and, and now obviously it's Tyrion and Masande. And I mean, one by one, they're kind of getting picked off. And now she's just, and even like uh, Lady Tyrell, you know, told her what the beginning of last season saying, look, don't, you're a dragon. So be a dragon. Like that's probably the, worst best advice that she could have gotten especially walking into this situation because to me that's where i'm kind of on the opposite of the spectrum from you guys where it's like i i'm clinging on to those moments and this recent stuff happening for daenerys where it's like her safety blankets have been killed and you know in her arm with jorah masande last week i think that was the tipping point to me where it's been an expedited development and you kind of get the you kind of have to put the pieces together yourself a little bit in my mind like it's not been laid out like it has in, in prior seasons, but I liked, you know, you kind of realize that where it's all right. Every, every calming voice or wise voice around her has been, been taken away. And now Tyrion, the, the kind of the last ditch effort is pleading prior to them going. And um, I mean, yeah. he's, he's in fear. He's, you know, and, and people keep saying it to him. Like, you just seem terrified of her. He's like, yeah, every good ruler needs to rule some fear, but it's like, no, this is a different level, but. Yeah, well, Allie, my wife brought up a great point. She's like, it's like they were writing a paper, and then they realized, oh, I've already hit my my word count, word and, count. Then, and then they just tied a bow on the end of it. Like it, you know, everything was kind of deliberate. All the arcs were, you know, a little slower moving through the first four seasons, and then this season and last season, it, it was just like, you know, don't blink. Um, it's it's just it's coming at you. Um, and yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed the show. I, I will say that um, you can always speculate about what could have been better um, and, you know, have your critique of it. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's been going way fast this season, yeah. especially. Well, see, I, I, like Lebowski said, I think a lot of people have their own expectations and theories of what should happen. And it's almost like, I think, uh, uh, what's his name? Chris Long, you know, defensive end. He played for the Rams for years. I think he's he's uh, with the uh, Eagles now, but he tweeted today. It's almost just a trendy thing now just to complain about, you know, Game of right. Thrones. And to me, it's like, hey, everybody can have their opinion, but 
if it's if it's just becoming the same tune, I get it. But at the same time, like if y'all didn't like it or you liked it or whatever it was, great. There's and there's specific reasons why I respect it. But but let's uh, let's jump back on track just to kind of fill in some blanks here. Where um, the Hound and Arya have snuck into the city. Jamie did not get in, and then Daenerys does her full thing, and then to the realization of it seems like he's the only person that's really like, oh god, this actually happened. Is John in a slow motion moment of just the realization that this chick is, is going full mad. Like everyone has told me about. Um, and then we cut to, let's see. Um, Jamie, you know, finds his way, I guess, through his own, you know, growing up there or whatnot. He found the back alleys to get into the city and he comes upon Euron Greyjoy. And this was one thing to me, like they've almost forced Euron upon us and he's grown on me a little bit. But I remember when he first came on the show and the guy that plays him um, just said, I'll, I'm going to be a worse villain than Ramsey and Joffrey. And it's like, all right, let's, let's just take a take a breather there for a second, buddy. But it's almost like they want to make him as bad as they could be. And I honestly did not feel like, you know, if you're playing like Street Fighter, that this guy's not like a top, you know, fighter or and he's not he's not to Jamie's level. And I get Jamie's like, you know, changed and had his hand cut off and all that kind of stuff. But this just seems so random to me for, you know, for Euron to get blown off of this ship, wash ashore, right? Yeah. Exactly where Jamie's going to be. And it's yeah. like, look, nobody cares about this whole Euron Cersei romance. Like, we, he, he's mean, obviously a pawn. Well, I, I think that that's another character that they, for whatever reason, had to skip over a lot of their arc and we I, I really wanted to see some battle scenes with with him because he is supposed to be one of the best at, at war um in history um so i that's another character i would have loved to see a lot more of on the yeah. show uh, i feel like we gotta we kind of got robbed a little bit by time uh from his his character fully developing and, and showing what he's worth i couldn't agree more i this scene pissed me off so bad. I actually yeah. started laughing when he washed up on shore and, and said out loud, are you absolutely fucking kidding me? Because yeah. it just, it, it's, he's interjected at the end of this episode as just a way for him to die and for him to stab Jamie, which ended up not even mattering anyway. So I just thought the whole series, the, the whole sequence with him washing up on shore and getting in this battle was idiotic but it also pissed me off because it's like you just completely wasted this entire arc with mm-hmm. euron for what and the iron like, fleet what the iron fleet went what? Out yeah i mean punks too and that's that that was supposed to be the best you know navy ever assembled so uh, the iron fleet killed one dragon yeah and it didn't even matter because the remaining dragon melted the city into a glass parking lot. So <laughs> what, I mean, what, what was the point of the iron fleet? It really just irritated the absolute hell out of me that Euron was relegated to washing up on the beach, doing a little bit of snarling, stabbing Jamie, and he gets stabbed in the chest. And that's it. Right. See, I thought it would have been cool had somehow, you know, say off camera, or, or even if it was a quick clip to like, you know, Sansa, sending a raven to Yara in the Iron Islands, and all of a sudden she comes out of nowhere and flanks the Iron Fleet. And, you know, it can be like you were saying, to see that naval fleet of their standard or whatnot, I guess that they talked about um, kind of perform and do their thing. But to me, 
even even like Jamie gets stabbed basically in the lung, and you can hear him like Darth Vader, you know, wheezing at one point, and then the next thing he's like, you know, climbing up and going to find Cersei, and then all of a sudden their their thing plays out. But, but yeah, it was just a little bit of a waste of a of a scene, um, and there were also just a couple of my complaints. Like I get why they did it with Arya like walking slow motion through the city, and they want you to you know feel feel like okay this character i really care about and she's on the ground and what if she dies but it's like we're wasting precious minutes and i I know everybody who watches this show keeps their phone in their hand and they'll flip it up and they'll see what how much time's gone by and how much time they have left in the episode but it's one of those things like these moments you know just did not matter to me as far as we get it she's burning this place to the ground but it just seemed like one of those moments too, where it's just like, all right, you're on, you're insignificant, just kill him off, and Jamie, continue on with what you're doing. Let's move it. Well, on. and so the in the chat after the episode, one of the writers, and I, and I forget which one is which, but made the comment of, you know, Arya is showing us this scene of utter devastation, and we're following her because we want to make it more personal. Because if you're just killing off extras, right, then it doesn't, it starts to lose its feeling. Yeah, okay, but you could have done that with Davos. Done it with any like, other, anybody but Arya, in my right. opinion. I mean, all it, all it did was lean credence, lean more credence to the fact that she's got this Superman invincible plot armor on for all of those who are already scoffing at her right. part in season six where she got stabbed multiple times in the chest doing parkour through the city <laughs> and didn't die now all of a sudden you bring her back to where multiple buildings are falling on her. She's dodging fire. It just ended up being ridiculous because they chose Arya of all people to do. Again, they could have done with the Stavos and, and, and gotten the exact same reaction. Actually, I think a better reaction of just sheer horror of watching the city fall around them without invoking a yeah. character that we already know is not going to die. I mean, even, yeah. even tie that in with John's story, like show him dodging falling buildings right. and and all right. that stuff he was already in the heat of it and i don't know or how about how about gray worm or as yeah as will compton called him on twitter today earthworm so <laughs> why not and like i think that would have been a good part and i know obviously the the ending arc here of gray worm is that once um what was his girlfriend's name masande once masande died he is he's done he's yeah. completely loyal to also broken he's broken he's done he's loyal to to danny he he has two modes murder and not murder but that could have even been like a last ditch effort by by the show to to kind of show earthworm as as having a little bit of compassion to where all of a sudden he realizes just how horrible it is that this city is coming down around but anyways i feel like you could have done it with any other character other than then Arya made your point and not have a chunk of your audience silently rolling their eyes. And like you said, right. looking at their phone or checking their watch because you know, she's not going to die. I never had a, a fear that she was going to die at any point during that entire lengthy scene. Yeah. And it was funny. My, my wife and I are huge office fans, but I know there's a scene where Michael acts like a robot and he says, I was just learning to love. That's what, that's what Greg Worm seemed like to me. <laughs> He, I was just gonna say that's what Arya seemed like. Yeah. Arya finally got her son. Yeah, she she almost had a heart come back where she was helping people out. But again, like Lebowski saying, like it's all right. We know this is not taking place. Like it's, there's no danger to Arya right now, and especially like I thought whenever you know there was a scene where you saw Drogon in the background flying directly at her, and I'm like, all right, 
they're not going to do anything to her, but they had flames kind of go in her direction. And I'm like, are they going to make her or like have her get burnt in the face and look like the hound or something like that? You know, just, just some type of poetic, whatever justice or, or, uh, you know, storytelling. But, but anyways, speaking of those two, um, to kind of give Arya some shout out as far as a positive here was the lead up to the club game bowl, the hound versus the mountain. I, I really enjoyed this moment for the simple sake of like, Obviously, one of my favorite duos in all of Game of Thrones is watching the Hound, excuse me, and Arya um, throughout the, I mean, even the, the scene where we've got uh, uh, the, the Hound saying, you know, do you want a dog with some chickens? And he says, somebody's going to. Like, that's one of my favorite scenes where Arya is first learning how just to be basically a killer uh, like the Hound. But, um, but yeah, whenever she calls him Sandor, I was, I was listening to a, a different, I think, podcast or YouTube breakdown of, of the episode. And the amount of times that anyone calls the Hound by his name, Sandor Clegane, I mean, it's less than hand, a five, I think. And for for him, you know, obviously he he kind of looks at her and says, if you, you're going to die if you go this way. And, um, you know, saying thank you. It's almost the, I mean, the arc, the arc of the Hound's character, I mean, has been phenomenal. And especially the way that he's been kind of a father role to, to Sansa and to Arya. I love the scene. But just to ask you guys, give me give me some of your favorite duos and your kind of favorite partners in crime throughout the entire series because I love the the Hound and Arya. I did. I loved. I loved these two together. I um, the only reason why I didn't want Clegane Bowl to happen is because I knew the second it was going to happen, it was going to break up that duo. So I was pleased that the show you know brought it out to the second to last episode. Um, I don't know. Other duos, I really enjoyed it as creepy as this is going to sound. The kind of the duo between Littlefinger and Varys and mm-hmm. Littlefinger and then Sansa for a while before he went full creep mode and was just <laughs> determined to sleep with this poor girl. But <laughs> Littlefinger at, at, his, at his best when he was still being a sleazy scheming person always riffed really well of whoever he was paired up yeah. with. And I, I'd have to say, I think I'd go with Littlefinger and Varys probably. Yeah, Varys was just a little better at it, I think. Maybe yeah. maybe it was the missing member, if you will, uh, that, <laughs> that kept, kept his head straight that, uh, you know, Littlefinger couldn't seem to get straightened out. Um, I'm, I'm partial to, to Tyrion and Bronn uh, just because they're hilarious. It was just, it was always a fun watch when those two what was uh, what was the line you said? Together. Yeah, give me give me ten good men and now I'm pregnant. The bitch like this, <laughs> that wit and just that humor and, and yeah, just I mean the back and forth too. I I like them too a lot. But I, I like Cersei and Jamie in a weird way as well. Um, that's a you know a huge part of the show. Um, it kind of kicked everything off. Yeah, so their um, their relationship really, I guess, moved the plot along in a way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, gotta love some um, Bron. I, I, you know, Bron kind of that last episode with him, you know, holding them at hostage with a crossbow. Uh, you know, I had mixed emotions about that. Yeah, uh, I, I hope he better come back. He better have a part in the finale. I'm gonna be so. Well, see, so that's my concern. That's really a concern, mine, because it's like, all right. I see, you know, when Kyburn gave him that crossbow to go take out the one of the two of them, I don't know if it was like a last ditch effort from Cersei 
because it seemed like the, the more this episode went on, it's like the odds really were not stacked in Cersei's favor. Like we were meant to think like, you know, all of Daenerys' forces were depleted through the uh, Battle of Winterfell. They showed up and obviously the dragon is a huge game changer, but even, even uh, it, it, they just made it seem like it was a little bit more level than it was. But I, I'm afraid that Bronn, obviously now that Jamie's gone, what happens to Tyrion? And then is he just going to basically wash out, say, you know, Tyrion gets executed or exiled or whatever it is. Like, could he break him out? Maybe like who, who knows what happens there, but I love the character of Bronn. Um, I just really hope that was kind of a concern of mine of like, I could just totally see them basically <laughs> we, us never seeing Bronn again, but yeah, it was one of the, um, one of the, one of the two things, either he's going to come back and, save Tyrion again or somebody um or he's just gonna disappear and maybe eventually get get a castle of some sort what do you think go ahead (laughs) i really i've really got a problem with the broad thing because and it ties into my problem with the ending of the jamie arc which is okay so cersei sends Bronn to kill Jamie and or Tyrion. And so he shows up with a crossbow and tells the two of them, look, I'm not going to kill you. I, I want something better in return in, you know, for saving your life. And, uh, Tyrion promises him what high garden. Right. Yeah. So now Cersei's dead. Jamie's dead. I mean, what, what, you know, Tyrion is more than likely going to have to face some form of corporal punishment for breaking his brother out of the camp. So, what are what are we doing with Braun now? He just feels like a, a a dangling thread that the show feels like they need to kind of tie off, which again feels sloppy to me. But it ultimately really leads to my bigger problem with Jamie that the scene with Braun of Jamie left Cersei. Because once Cersei told Jamie that she was not going to back up sending troops to the north, she was still just thinking about herself, he finally snapped and had it with her. It was just like, look, you're a terrible person. I'm out of here. And then Sansa makes a quick quip to him about, oh, I really would have loved to have seen your sister die. And then he just up and decides he's going to go back to King's Landing. <laughs> this is right after he finds out that his sister literally wants him dead. Right. What is the absolute point of him going back? I kept, and I even said it again on my podcast last week, that I was convinced that the only reason why he was going back was to get close enough to Cersei to either talk her, talk her out of, like, let's get out of here, or he was going to have to kill her himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead, it just turned into, he let her down into the sewers, and the castle collapsed on him while he held her and said, it doesn't matter, it's just us. I just... Yeah, I cannot be more disgusted with how they ended his character. I feel like they completely wasted the whole point behind yeah. Jamie killing the Mad King, saving the people from this terrible person, eventually having this slow redeeming arc of, I'm not just a spoiled Lannister asshole. Like, mm-hmm. I've actually got a real character with some dark flaws. And then on a whim, he decides to go back to his sister and they throw all that out the window. Yeah. It just, that flat out doesn't make sense. I thought, I thought he was going to ring the bell there for a second too. I thought, <clears> right. That, yeah, I, thought, me too. I thought that's where he was headed. Um, and I, I guess we don't really fully know who rang the bells, um, but we're left to believe that it wasn't Jamie. I guess he was just trying to get to Cersei uh, before everything went to, went to shit. Yeah. And see, my thing is like y'all are saying, it, it really 
kind of deflates Jamie's arc because everybody wants him to be that good guy. And again, like Lebowski said, I was convinced he was going back to kill her or, you know, like, like Tyrion kind of freed him and gave him this plan of them running off together. I'm like, uh, that's where that's when, when Tyrion went up you know, to the unsullied guys and was trying to speak in, in their, their language. He says, we speak the common tongue when that was hilarious, yeah. but two, it was like, all right, this is, this is just the typical, like, I, I appreciate their brother moment, which I thought was awesome, but it's one of those things like, I don't care where Cersei goes. She like, like he's Jamie has said himself, she is a hateful woman. And I just took him saying that to even Brienne of saying, and so am I as a way of pushing her off, scaring her away. And just let me go. Um, Cause I'm about to go sacrifice, basically sacrifice myself in an effort to kill Cersei. But yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't love the arc. That was my one huge hang up for the whole episode was how Cersei died. Had Jamie, had they gone down into that, what is it, the Magor's Holdfast, where all the, the dragon skulls were, and all that rubble fall and, and block the exits? Had he stabbed her in, in like, in a way of just, I don't even know, had it just made it seem like it was an intentional effort, like, I want to, I, I love you, but I have to let you go and I have to kill you? That would have made it a different thing to me, but it was very sloppy to watch Jamie's like, entire arc from the Kingslayer to his hand getting cut off and the whole stint with Brienne. And then last week or two weeks ago, whenever they knighted Sir Brienne and then he runs off and, and reverts right back to like season one, episode one. Yeah. But, I, I mean, what if, um, what if the hound just like, as she walked past, just pulled out a sword and cut her head off right there. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, the, that was kind of funny to me. It was like the, Oh, excuse me. Um, you know, and she just kind yeah. of moseyed down the stairs. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? Did that just happen? Like, neither of them killed her. Like, I figured even maybe the mountain would would be like, I'm tired of your mouth. I'm gonna, you know, just rip you in half now. Yeah, um, well, I, I, I love how I the mountain just to... tossed Kyber. <coughs> yeah, the I was Kyber gonna say it was perfect. That was awesome. I did have to chuckle at the the one the other part of the show where I started completely losing my shit laughing besides Euron rolling up on the shore like a loose salmon um, <laughs> is when she's on the staircase Kyber just got his brain sprayed out on the stairs and she's <laughs> looking at the mountain and yeah. Sandor like uh, can I just like I just need to get by and get that box of quinoa and then I'm out of here like it just it was very hilarious how she's like yeah I'm not standing around for this shit I'm out yeah no, I, I the, as far as the the Clegane Bowl, man, it's a tongue twister. But I love the I love the entire thing. I love the from end, start for to finish. Sure. The um the way that even just the Hound knocking off his helmet and says, "Yeah, that's you." And it was it was he was Darth Vader. I mean, he was Anakin Skywalker, what sixty seventy years old, um, just dead. And I, from, I, I've heard theories that he could be like some type of white Walker, like a fire white where you have to kill him with Valyrian steel. Cause obviously he did not, um, he did not have any luck stabbing him in the shoulder in the head, like didn't kill him like it should. But, um, yeah, but that, that was one of my favorite things about the entire episode, obviously, even the, even the visual, yeah. uh, the dragon flying in the, in the backdrop, but, but yeah, give me all's takes as far as uh, well, Gamble. Like we were joking because uh, you said it, it was full Darth Vader. Was because DB Weiss and David Benoff is are already in Star Wars mode. <laughs> uh, they're, they're too focused writing that uh, to finish the season 
of uh, Game of Thrones. They're bleeding it over. Yeah, it's just the biggest mashup ever. They've been reading both uh, both uh, storylines, and they you know it's just starting to run together. But no, um, I love the fight, especially the end. Uh, You know, and the visual of uh, the Hound jumping into flames. You know, it's something he's super scared of because his hate is greater for his brother than his fear of fire. Right. Um, but I thought, I thought it was a good scene. I, I really enjoyed it. Let's see here. Um, obviously the, the King's Landing is just depleted and kind of the post, post-battle scene. I know there was a shot where John just saying, everyone retreat and get back. And I'm thinking, John, you could have said this 20 minutes ago and probably <laughs> saved – Hundreds. You know, yeah, hundreds of people, and there's no telling. But uh, yeah, Arya's back through helping some women through the street. Uh, then Jamie and, and um, Jamie and and Cersei basically get crushed. But to me, which which villain's death was more disappointing for you guys? Was it was it the Night King or was it Cersei? I gotta say Cersei because I kind of feel I, I, that's a tough choice for me because I liked the actual death scene of the Night King being killed by Arya. really liked that, um, even though I had problems with the fact that we didn't get a lot of questions answered. However, mm-hmm. it, it just feels like, in a way, Cersei got away with all of it. Like, she died due to poor infrastructure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, that's an issue for me. Like, I, again, I keep going back to... I do have a problem when people build up theories in their head, especially when they, when those theories spawn into other people on Twitter and other social media are kind of feeding into a theory that someone proposes. And then all of a sudden they're disappointed in something that was never going to happen in the show. But like, you gotta have the big bad die in at least somewhat of a pleasing manner. I actually would have been more okay with her escaping and the show <laughs> ending with that, yeah. with not knowing where she is. Versus her just dying in the basement with her brother. I just really, I didn't like it. It was not satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, immediately after the episode, I just tweeted, that sucked. <laughs> and I later had to clarify, yeah. like, Cersei's death was what I was talking about. But that was, that was, I mean, even for the the prophecy of the Valonqar, nothing there. Because people are trying to make it into, like, a, well, you know, Jamie had his hand around her throat, so he was kind of choking her. And it's like, dude, give me, like, a gruesome death scene. I, I thought honestly from the top of the red keep that, uh, that Cersei was going to do a Tommen and just jump off uh, and just die. I mean, I thought she was going to take her own life. Um, but yeah, like you said, Lebowski, like I would have much rather her just taking off the Pintos and, you know, we never know what happened to her, but then, then that that weak death, but what were you gonna say, Kibby? I was going to say, um, you know, Throwing a side note here, Euron would be one of the villains. I was really disappointed in the death. But between those two, I'm going to go with Night King. Uh, we never saw him even swing a sword. Uh, he was just kind of just perched up the whole <laughs> the whole episode. Yeah. And then, you know, Arya comes out of nowhere. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not upset with the fact that Arya killed her or killed him or, you know, even how. But I would have loved to see him just straight owning people for a while. Um as much battle as we got in that in that episode and this episode, this past episode too, um, we didn't get to see uh, Euron or the Night King just show their superiority um, on the battlefield, hand to hand combat kind of st- style. Yeah, and going back to Euron, 
when he rolled up on shore, I thought, okay, this is silly that he's here. But I ultimately thought, okay, him and Jamie are about to have a conversation where he's going to realize that Cersei lied to him about being pregnant with his child when it's actually Jamie's. Yeah. And this is going to set up a scene where Euron and Cersei and Jamie are going to cross each other's paths, leaving the castle to where Euron ends up either killing them both or definitely killing Cersei, something right. along the lines of, this is revenge because the the kid that's in your stomach is not even mine. You've been lying to me this whole time, right? Like I want to see, to see that meltdown too. Yeah, like I wanted to, like that. I think that would have been a good avenue to use Euron. I just there are several different ways that Cersei could have gone down that would have been more satisfying due to her getting buried in a pile of medieval asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't nearly uh, gruesome enough for me either. Um, I think. Uh, if Danny makes the point to burn it all, I feel like she takes her time and enjoys um, watching Cersei, especially die. But yeah, um, yeah. I, mean, I just part part of me overall. I know the the season the, the the scene with Arya finding the white horse. I know there's been rumors that that was kind of the the Uber that that Bran sent for Arya to get out. There's also some talk as far as you know the Christian uh, kind of symbolism of what a white horse means with. Death um, riding on it, yeah, you know, the, and, and the book of Revelation and death and all that. But um, the ending that, and, and it's funny because people have actually put the remix of Old Town Row <laughs> Road on uh, <laughs> on that scene with Arya and the horse. But to me, it's even watching the preview for next week, um, the celebration from you know the Dothraki, the Unsullied are all lined up, and it's basically their city now. But it's like what what do you do? You know, obviously there's some inner turmoil with John Sansa and, and, and the last of the Starks, but any predictions or thoughts as far as next week and what could happen in the finale? No, I got a long shot here. Um, I think Br- Bran wargs into the, the dragon and he turns it on, on, uh, on Danny. Uh, that's where I'm going. I don't know. No, I'm just playing. I don't, I don't have a clue with how they're going to tie it up at this point. Um, I I would hope that the Starks are on top at the end of it, but uh, I don't know. You're not supposed to be happy at the end of it. I think if we've learned anything from this series in general, is you're you're kind of supposed to be crushed. So right. So maybe it's, gentlemen, it's the Mad Queen. I don't know. I feel like you two are definitely ignoring the obvious fact that Hot Pie is going to be sitting on the Iron Throne. <laughs> He's going to be making a shapely bread. This is all <laughs> just a big play into. Game of Thrones is actually just a long episode of Chopped, and Hot Pie is back there still competing. No, but I, I really want, and I, I think it's Danny's dying. I mean, I think we can yeah. all agree right. that Danny is going to die, and it's probably not going to be lovely. I don't know. John seems like the obvious choice to sit on the Iron Throne, but I have no idea at this point. I, I kind of just want to go into it with no expectations, and yeah and get the episode but if i had to pick i think i'm just going to go with the unsexy pick of john yeah i, I would not mind seeing sansa versus daenerys and so, not like sansa and them sword fighting but you know sansa having a moment like she did with ramsey where she releases the hounds or something or she releases aria on daenerys but um i like the i like the mad queen daenerys but i want to see john or whoever uh, I think she's, yeah, like you said, I think she's dead, no doubt. But, but yeah, we'll have to see. I know even the prophecy of Azor High and the Prince to his promise, if that even matters anymore since 
you know, apparently the Lord of Light just ditched town after the uh, the battle. <laughs> well, yeah. so. And speaking of of, uh, of prophecies, I mean, it was supposed to be her little brother that killed Cersei, right? And and that to me, I don't know. It's blown out. Yeah, I don't know really how to interpret that. If it was Tyrion because he brought the the you know the Mad Queen to King's Landing, or you know if it's Jamie for being down there and having her in his arms while she, I don't I don't know how we're that makes to me spend that. That makes me wonder, like, 5% of my person is like, is Cersei really dead? Like, obviously, that's a ton of rubble coming down on them. But I'm like, I mean, it, it, yeah, that prophecy is a huge factor in that. But it's like, if she's dead, she's dead, right? But it's like, oh, come on, man. Like, that's maybe it's just a disappointment in me. But anyways, um, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. And, and uh, obviously, the big finale I hope it lives up to the hype. I hope we don't have another lost, uh, terrible ending. But uh, any last thoughts, guys? I don't. I don't think that. Um, I, while I say that that John could end up on the Iron Throne, my kind of off the wall prediction is that King's Landing will not be the seat of power. I think the seat of power will end up being Winterfell, and mm-hmm. I think it's going to come something along the lines of. And I was trying to think about this last night. I mean, all the great houses are. I mean, who's left? So even who takes over the kingdoms, like the great houses have been reduced to nothing. If, if maybe I'm misreading this or misremembering all this, but I, I really could see a situation where like King's Landing, do, like basically doing away with the Iron Throne because mm-hmm. look what it's brought us, you know? Yeah. And see, my thought is at the very beginning, like Varys is writing all these letters. Is he writing them to, them to Essos and Marine, or is it to like the Prince of right. Dorne and Yara? Like, there's obviously some people outside of this that could show up, you know, that we've known, like Dario Naharis, who's probably still in Marine, like doing God knows what over there. But um, I don't know, man. It's going to be my thing is like, it could be anything that could happen. But at the same time, it's like, please, God, just let this be fulfilling. Like, let this yeah. be a redemption because I know even season six with the Battle of the Bastards going back to back with the Winds of Winter, I hope that they, the finale of this season can be similar to that where it's just two back to back crazy episodes and at least give us some a good ride. Yeah, I want to see some so. brand for sure. I feel like uh, no brand in that episode kind of hurt. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing some flashbacks from him either. Yeah, but I want to know what he was what he was working what he was doing uh, during the uh, battle, battle Winterfell when he just kind of spaced out and le- left everybody. I don't know. I really want to know what he was up to, but I, we may never find that out. For sure. Well, guys, Lebowski, thanks so much for joining us, man. It's been a pleasure to have you on talking some stones. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. And Kimby, thanks a lot for, uh, for coming back this weekend, <laughs> even though you're our regular. <laughs> but, uh, Absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, but for everybody listening in, check us out at chat10sports.com. Follow us on Twitter and find Mr. Lebowski and Curtis McKibben as well. And guys, that concludes our breakdown of Season 8, Episode 5, The Bills. <laughs>